Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 2. This reading happens to be from the translation by Stephen Mitchell. Chapter 2 As Arjuna sat there, overwhelmed with pity, desperate, tears streaming from his eyes, Krishna spoke these words to him. Why this timidity? Why, Arjuna, at a time of crisis like this? It is unworthy of a noble mind. It is shameful and does not lead to heaven. This cowardice is beneath you, Arjuna. Do not give in to it. Shake off your weakness. Stand up now like a man. Arjuna said, When the battle begins, how can I shoot arrows through Bhishma and Drona? who deserve my reverence. It would be better to spend the rest of my life as a pauper, begging for food, better than to kill these honored teachers. If I killed them, all my earthly pleasures would be smeared with blood, and we do not know which is worse, winning this battle or losing it, since, if we kill, we will not wish to remain alive. I am weighed down by pity, Krishna. My mind is utterly confused. Tell me, tell me where my duty lies, which path I should take. I am your pupil, I beg for your instruction, for I cannot imagine how any victory, even if I were to gain the kingship of the whole earth or of all the gods in heaven, could drive away this grief that is withering my senses. Having spoken thus to Krishna, Arjuna said, I will not fight, and he fell silent. As Arjuna sat there, downcast, between the two armies, Krishna smiled at him, then spoke these words. The blessed Lord said, Although you mean well, Arjuna, your sorrow is sheer delusion, Wise men do not grieve for the dead or for the living. Never was there a time when I did not exist, or you, or these kings, nor will there ever come a time when we cease to be. Just as in this body the self passes through childhood, youth, and old age, so after death it passes to another body. Physical sensations, cold and heat, pleasure and pain, they are transient. They come and go. So bear them patiently, Arjuna. Only the man who is unmoved by any sensations, the wise man, indifferent to pleasure and to pain, only he is fit for becoming deathless. Non-being can never be. Being can never not be. Both these statements are obvious to those who have seen the truth. The presence that pervades the universe is imperishable, unchanging, beyond both is and is not. How could it ever vanish? These bodies come to an end, but that vast embodied self is ageless, fathomless, eternal. Therefore, you must fight, Arjuna. If you think that this self, this ultimate self, can kill 
or if you think that it can be killed, you do not well understand reality's subtle ways. It never was born. Coming to be, it will never not be. Birthless. Primordial. It does not die when the body dies. Knowing that it is eternal, unborn, beyond destruction, how could you ever kill it? And whom could you kill, Arjuna? Just as you throw out used clothes and put on other clothes, new ones, the self discards its used bodies and puts on others that are newer. The sharpest sword will not pierce it. The hottest flame will not singe it. Water will not make it moist, and wind will not cause it to wither. It cannot be pierced or singed, moistened or withered. It is vast, perfect, and all-pervading, calm, immovable, timelessness. It is called the inconceivable, the unmanifest, the unchanging. If you understand it in this way, you have no reason for your sorrow. Even if you think that the self is perpetually born and perpetually dies, even then, Arjuna, you have no reason for your sorrow. Death is certain for the born, for the dead, rebirth is certain. Since both cannot be avoided, you have no reason for your sorrow. Before birth, beings are unmanifest. Between birth and death, manifest. At death, unmanifest again. What cause is there for grief in all of this? Some perceive it directly in all its awesomeness. Others speak of it with wonder. Others hear of it and never actually know it. But this self who dwells in the body is inviolable, inviolatable, forever. Therefore, you have no cause to grieve for any being, Arjuna. Know what your duty is, and do it without hesitation. For a warrior, there is nothing better than a battle that duty enjoins. Blessed are warriors who are given the chance of a battle like this, which calls them to do what is right and opens the gates of heaven. But if you refuse the call to a righteous war, if you shrink from what duty and honor dictate, you will bring down ruin upon your head. Decent men for all time will talk about your disgrace, and disgrace for a man of honor is a fate far worse than death. These great heroes will think that fear has driven you from the battle. All those who once esteemed you will think of you with contempt. And your enemies, oh, they will sneer and mock you. The mighty Arjuna, the brave man, he slunk from the field like a dog. What deeper shame could there be? If you are killed, you gain heaven, triumph, and you gain the earth. Therefore stand up, Arjuna. Steady your mind to fight. Indifferent to gain or loss, to victory or defeat, prepare yourself for the battle and do not succumb to sin. This is philosophy's wisdom. Now hear the wisdom of yoga. Armed with this understanding, you will shatter your karmic bonds. On this path, no effort is wasted. No gain is ever reversed. 
even a little of this practice will shelter you from great sorrow. Resolute understanding is single-pointed, Arjuna, but the thoughts of the irresolute are many-branched and endless. Foolish men talk of religion in cheap sentimental words, leaning on the scriptures. God speaks here, and God speaks here alone. That's what they say. Driven by desire for pleasure and power, caught up in ritual, they strive to gain heaven. But rebirth is the only result of their striving. They are lured by their own desires, besotted by the scripture's words, their minds have not been made clear by the practice of meditation. The scriptures dwell in duality. Be beyond all opposites, Arjuna. Anchored in the real, and free from all thoughts of wealth and comfort. As unnecessary as a well is to a village on the banks of a river, so unnecessary are all the scriptures, well, to someone who has seen the truth. You have a right to your actions, but never to your actions' fruits. Act for action's sake, and do not be attached to inaction. Self-possessed, resolute, act without any thoughts of results, open to success or failure. This equanimity is yoga. Action is far inferior to the yoga of insight, though. Arjuna. Pitiful are those who, acting, are attached to their actions' fruits. The wise man lets go of all results, whether good or bad, and is focused on action alone. Yoga is skill in actions. The wise man who in sick The wise man whose insight is firm relinquishing the fruits of action, is freed from the bondage of rebirth and attains the place beyond sorrow. When your understanding has passed beyond the thicket of delusions, there is nothing you need to learn from even the most sacred scripture. Indifferent to scriptures, your mind stands by itself, unmoving, absorbed in deep meditation. This is the essence of yoga. Arjuna said, How would you describe the man whose wisdom is steadfast, Krishna? How does the wise man speak? How does he sit, stand, and walk? The blessed Lord said, When a man gives up all desires that emerge from the mind, when he rests contented in the self by the self, he is called a man of firm wisdom. He whose mind is untroubled by any misfortune whose craving for pleasures has disappeared, he who is free from greed, fear, anger, he who is unattached to all things, he who neither grieves nor rejoices if good or bad things happen, that man is a man of firm wisdom. Having drawn back all his senses from the objects of sense, as a tortoise draws back into its shell, that man is a man of firm wisdom. Sense objects fade for the abstinent, yet the craving for them continues. But even the craving vanishes for someone who has seen the ultimate truth. 
At first, although he continually tries to subdue them, the turbulent senses tear away at his mind and violently carry it away. Restraining the senses, disciplined, he should focus his whole mind on me. When the senses are in his control, that man is a man of firm wisdom. If a man keeps dwelling on the sense objects, attachment to them arises. From attachment, desires flare up, and from desire, angers are born. From anger, confusion follows. From confusion, weakness of memory. From weak memory comes weak understanding, and weak understanding leads to ruin. But the man who is self-controlled, who meets the objects of the senses with neither craving nor aversion, he will attain serenity at last. In serenity, all his sorrows disappear at once, forever. When his heart has become serene, his understanding is steadfast. The undisciplined have no wisdom, no one-pointed concentration. With no concentration, they have no peace. With no peace, where can joy be? When the mind constantly runs after the wandering senses, it drives away wisdom, like the wind blowing a ship off course. And so, Arjuna, when someone is able to withdraw his senses, to withdraw from every object of sensation, that man is a man of firm wisdom. In the night of all beings, the wise man sees only the radiance of the self. But the sense world where all beings wake, for him is as dark as night. The man whom desires enter as rivers flow into the sea, filled yet always unmoving, that man finds perfect peace. Abandoning all desires, acting without craving, free from all thoughts of I and mine, that man finds utter peace. This is the divine state, Arjuna. Absorbed in it, everywhere, always, even at the moment of death, he vanishes into God's bliss. <laughs>